Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Wow! Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and this week, Pete Donaldson is on holiday, somewhere very sunny and hot and wonderful, and I hate him and I'm jealous. I think he was in the Canary Islands. I don't know if it's a secret. I can't remember if he told us in last week's episode. But standing in for Pete, I have found a guest down the back streets and the alleyways of Tokyo. His name is also Pete. So when we read out the questions from you guys later on, it'll be like nothing has changed. It'll be like nothing is different. <laughs> uh, he is a NHK world presenter on Japanese TV. He is a teacher to the rich and famous. He's an up-and-coming <laughs> Twitch streamer known as Premier 2. And more recently, earlier this year, he joined me on a trip to Hokkaido, to the most northern point in Japan. He is, of course, Pete, Premier 2, from Kansas. How are you doing, Pete? Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm doing quite well. Welcome aboard. Thank you. This is a very exciting podcast to be a part of. I, I understand <laughs> that, sarcastic. that... No, no, no. I'm serious. I, I'm a big fan. And uh, Pete Donaldson... <laughs> do you I listen think, every week? Well, I'm not going to... Yes, I do. <laughs> the problem is I, I understand that Pete Donaldson uh, provides a lot of comedy, a lot of insights, and he's a really unique voice. And to downgrade so severely this, this week is a tough one, but I think everyone will manage. I, Pete Donaldson loves you. He talks about you every now and then, and he describes you as a charisma bomb. <laughs> if you were, if I, we had a, a Braun Japan Cinematic Universe top trumps, your card would be charisma, 10 out of 10. Oh. Everything else, not 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think it's like in an RPG, if you build a character, that's the only stat I have. No intelligence, strength, or dexterity. Just charisma. You're selling yourself short, Pete. But, oh, I appreciate uh, it. But I was speaking to Pete the other day, and he has had one hell of a career in Japan as a teacher. And I know we've talked about teaching in Japan before with various folks, but... Your career as a teacher has been not only the most interesting, but probably the most up and down. Like, you've told me some <laughs> real horror stories. And so I want to, like, dive into your 10 years of teaching, because it's been about, it's been exactly 10 it's years. It's been over it? 10 years, just so. Absolutely. But first things first, how did we meet and when did we meet? I think it's been about four or five years. I was at a nomikai for my teaching job. And a nomikai mm. is like a drinking party mm. at the end of the year or something like that. I got very drunk and Indeed. went to a Nijikai, which is a second party, by myself, to a bar in Shinjuku where it's Mario-themed with all mm. different Mario drinks and wonderful place, very small. And you <laughs> came in with two ladies on each arm and you said, hello, mate. What are you doing? And I said, hi, welcome to the bar. <laughs> and uh, you were you were insistent that I, I recognized you. And you said, don't you know me? I know you, you recognized me from my YouTube channel. 250,000 subscribers. Don't remember that bit. Well, I, I, you well, claim I gave you a business card. I have the business card. Oh, God. And it has this, has this thing on it that says, you know, Chris Broad, 250,000 plus subscribers. It's funny, you, my impression of you wasn't overly good that time. I don't blame you. I thought you were like the, this, the sleazy guy in the corner who was taking his luck and trying to uh, chat up the two girls I was with. Who were not unattractive right. and very no, cool very girls. kind. Uh, but you were like, I'm going to make you a quiz. I did. And we were like, okay, you go and do that. And Pete went off into the corner, drunk as hell, mm. and over the period of 35 minutes, conjured up a relatively impressive quiz. Yeah. Not, you know, the, the sort of quiz you would see on Japanese TV. And equally, <laughs> when I said, 
I'm a YouTuber, and you were like, I've never seen it. I, 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 you were like, oh, I've been on Japanese TV. You might have seen me on NHK World. And I was like, no, nobody's seen that. It was two ships crossing in the night. Unfortunately, <laughs> mine crashed my career, and yours suddenly took off to the realm of three million plus subscribers. I've, I've got 2.5. I mean, when this is released, I'm sure another 500,000 will have dead to Yeah. But I, what's interesting is after that, we didn't speak ever again for no. like a few months. And then I can't remember what happened. Out of the blue, one of us messaged each other. I think it was me begging for... No, uh, I think actually what we had talked about at that time was I've been studying acting my whole life. Mm. That was what I went to school for. And you had shown a little bit of interest in... You know, how do you get into character? You were kind of asking some questions oh, about that's acting. That's right, yeah. yeah. And um, we met at a coffee shop uh, at a later date to talk, right before you went on Journey Across Japan. Yes, yeah. Uh, the first one. And we talked about, you know, performance and stuff mm, like that. I remember you gave me a notebook. You a gave moleskin. Me a moleskin uh, notebook. That you promptly, I found in the trash two is... hours later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was quite weird, actually. I've still not made that film uh, that we yeah. talked about. So It's but, okay. But since then, Pete and I have become very good friends. We've traveled a lot. We traveled to Hokkaido back in, I think, f March this year, right? It's last February. Uh, this year, in February. What? No. Yes, you're right. It's already Time's forgotten. Time's lost meaning with it's this already whole forgotten. coronavirus thing. You know? It has got very odd. Yeah, but, it uh, was last February. We went on a, a massive trip from Hakodate all the way to Wakanai. Absolutely, to find your broken mug that Natsuki gave you. Well, yeah, mission accomplished, so to speak. Natsuki gave Pete a mug for his birthday, because you're good friends with Natsuki, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Pete broke the mug and went to go and try and find it. Pete asked Natsuki, where did you buy the mug, Natsuki? And Natsuki said, Wakanai. No, he actually said, I bought it in a shop in Wakanai. He right. used both English and Japanese. That's crucial to me misunderstanding it. And Wakanai means... I you know, Wakanai means I don't remember, I don't know. <laughs> but Pete interpreted that as Wakanai. Yeah, that was um, a slight mistake. And we ended up going to Wakanai, which is the most northern town in all of Japan. And we didn't really... It's a pretty anticlimactic experience, that whole trip. The, the, the real shame was that I didn't know that Natsuki bought the mug at a, a $1 store. That's <laughs> where we could have bought it anywhere. Dear, oh dear. What a nightmare. But we're not here to relive those past experiences, are we? We're not. Although that video, I, I'd kind of forgotten about it. Because I've been Thanks. so busy, <laughs> I've been so busy doing Jenny Cross Japan. But a uh, very big YouTuber, someone I, whose videos I watch, uh, Tom Scott, he shouted out in a newsletter he does uh, every week to his many followers. For so it's a really weird video for him to pick out. Uh, not to me. It, <laughs> I think it's quite, well, of course you're. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really weird. He sort of said, "Oh, you should everyone watch this video," and it was a Hokkaido video. And uh, I wonder why he chose that one specifically. Hopefully. Sometime when he comes to Japan, I'll get to ask him, but uh, yeah. It really is, out of the whole catalogue of videos that you've made, it's quite bizarre to choose where, you know, two stupid guys go to the northernmost <laughs> point. I think there was a real kind of sense of adventure to that trip, though. When I watch mm. it back, you know, all the, the crazy things we saw along the way, the Buddhas in the snow, the Easter Island heads, the... The treasure map that the, we're following. The treasure map, the shining uh, <laughs> house in the middle of the nothing, like... It was a really cool trip. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, I, I, if you haven't seen it, I, I strongly urge you, you go and watch it because it's actually a really fun video. But mm. on to teaching. Um, so let's talk a bit about your story and your journey. Um, and also, NHK World, you're a presenter on Japanese TV. Yeah, for the past seven or eight years, I've worked for a program called Cool Japan. Cool Japan. And I, I want to preface this by saying I'm one of many various right. international guests. I'm not the main host, but I'm a regular contributor as a representative of the United States of America. Eight different countries are on each show. Oh, right, right. Right, and we talk about, is this cool in your country? How does it change from your country? Right. A certain theme or topic. I mean, I... I'm pretty vocal usually about my uh, not so great experiences on Japanese TV. Mm. I'm not a fan of Japanese TV. How's your kind of experiences been over the last few years on NHK Cool Japan? For me, speaking truthfully, it's been a really nice opportunity to go to parts of Japan or see a kind of behind the curtains look at some of the culturally interesting things about this country. Mm. Because of the situation where it's like, today's theme is tea. You might get to go to like a tea factory, which on its face doesn't sound so interesting. Right. But when you get the access that they have... Do you Pete? Tea factory, I'm sold. Well, <laughs> maybe I should have chosen a more interesting one than that, but there's been several um, episodes I've really enjoyed. So for my experience, they've been nothing short of amazing. But I can 
easily understand how it can be considered like schlock or, or you know, propaganda almost for a lot of the Japanese TV shows. I don't know. I mean, the times that I've gone on, they've always wanted me to play a sort of role, the role of the foreign person. And yeah. not really, I can't really give my own real opinions, I've found. But I will say on that <clears throat> show, they highly encourage you to be critical of Japan. So have you ever been to a restaurant in cool Japan eating something going, oh, it's actually pretty shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> no. Yes, I did. It was, no. Yes, it was, the, oh, God. it was the episode on some sort of like cognac. Cognac. Oh, like it, a... It's like a potato. But jelly. They, it's a gelatinous oh, it's, potato. It's really horrible, yeah. It's horrible. And they made it into a zero-calorie pasta. And they brought us all out this plate and said, we want you to try this with, you know, tomato sauce or whatever. It was the most ghastly thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. And I openly said so. Like, this is awful. I, this will not be popular in America. And how did that go down? I was fired promptly and I haven't been back on since. No, they, they were like, okay, so yeah, this is not a good, you know, thing for Americans, perhaps. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Yeah, sure. and so they're, they're okay with it. It's just, uh, you know. My problem with cool Japan is it sounds like propaganda. Yeah, it's I mean, like imagine like cool England, you know, it just makes it sends a shudder down my spine. <laughs> or cool America. There's imagine nothing. like they've got like Japanese people and Chinese and folks from Asia living in America to be on a show called Cool America. Yeah, this um, is what and then they went does. to like In and Out Burger and they're like, Oh, In and Out Burger's good. American culture Segoy. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's all a bit yeah, pro- it's a propaganda y bit... and it makes me feel a bit weird. Mm. And, and cold and I, dead I really can't fault you for that it's, uh, but I think Japan does one thing so well is that it markets itself amazingly on the global stage you know right. they, they've really excelled in saying like our, our food is amazing our culture is amazing right, yeah. so it's unsurprising that cool Japan is popular is Japan cool? well there are bits and pieces <laughs> I think overwhelmingly yes but there are some real negative aspects to living here which I'm sure we'll get into uh, <laughs> one of them is Teaching in Japan. Teaching in Japan. So we've both done it, but I did it only for three years. And I can't pretend like I, you know, three years is a fair long time. I think I taught 200 or 2,000 hours of teaching when I weighed it up. But what you've done is considerably more substantial. I'd say you're closer to a real teacher. Because they say that people coming to Japan on the JET program, like I did, you get sort of a, a light experience. You get to have more holiday. The pay is better. And you get treated better because it's a government-funded scheme. Whereas you <laughs> didn't go on jet. You've been in various companies and you've had uh, various experiences, many of them bad, from what you told me. Yeah, I think if you... I'm uniquely qualified to, to explain uh, a wide range of teaching opportunities and contracts. Um, I think I can help. But I think whether you're interested in teaching in Japan or not, it's just funny. Hearing your stories, they're brutal. Like, yeah. it's insane, like, some of the stuff you've had to do. So first things first, yeah. you finished college and you did a uh, degree in... Theatre. Theatre. A terrible mistake. So waiting right. tables is basically my degree. And you wanted to be an actor, but you went to L.A., decided like it. you hated L.A. Mm-hmm. and got out there quick. Mm-hmm. And then you pointed out a map and went, Japan, let's go. <laughs> well, my minor was Japanese history when right. I was in college. And um, I thought going to Japan would be an opportunity to kind of reset because I was not making any money. I was in dire straits in the United States. And I thought this would be a fun opportunity. How old were you? 26. I graduated quite, oh, wow. quite late in college. So, so you came, I, I came in when I was 22. You came 26. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and I, I had missed the deadline for the JET program, the Japanese Exchange Government Opportunity. And they said, okay, well, in the interview, you pass this, but we can't interview you until next December. Uh, so it was like eight months of waiting. So you might have been on the JET program. It's yeah. just a question of bad timing. I probably would have been declined anyway, but let's not be Not necessarily. Maybe not. But yeah, it's poor timing. So I was searching day and night um, for any opportunity I could get. And there was one that said, do you like beaches and mountains? And I was like, yes. <laughs> then please come to Niigata. We will oh, love God. to have you. I, um, I don't like Niigata. I think I've been upfront about that. The western kind of side of Japan, the Sea of Japan side. The people there are lovely, but the, there's just, <laughs> Niigata is just one big, long rice, big one big plain. Yes. Filled with rice fields and not much else. You're right. But that was the job I applied for, and unfortunately, right when they started saying, like, we think you've got it, the Tohoku earthquake of 2011 happened. Right, yeah. And everything was thrown in the air. Eventually, I did get the job, and I came to Japan two weeks after the earthquake, and so my story begins. 
That's insane. So you came to Japan straight after the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Like that takes balls. I know a lot of people at that time. I was I was looking to come to Japan at that point. I was applying for the jet program that year. And, you know, the, a lot of people were like, oh, it's time to leave Japan now. And there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of fear around radiation and whatnot. Mm. And against that, you boarded an American Airlines <laughs> flight and straight to Narita Airport to begin. With my entire life's possessions in three bags. <laughs> I had nowhere, nowhere else to go and nothing else to have. That's kind of cool, though. It was a great adventure. And it was quite stupid um, because <laughs> the contract I agreed to was only three months. Right. So I basically s- signed over my future on a hope that ah, it'll work out <laughs> in three months. <laughs> oh, like, God. Because after that contract was finished, um, they weren't promising any renewals. After three months? That was it. It was a three-month contract. Isn't that elite? What, three months? Yeah, well, they, we were all replacement teachers because the previous entire group had been fired for um, uh, something inappropriate. Like what? Well, we think there might have been some diddling. Drugs. Well, that sure or children things. It's, oh my god, it's, it's bad. And so they, Jesus. it was it was really awkward. And we were told repeatedly in training, uh, simple rules to safeguard against that, which the, I'll tell you in a minute. Right. So it was it was an unfortunate situation that two or three of the foreigners, perhaps in Niigata's school of you know education board or whatever, they did some really inappropriate stuff, mm. and then they got fired. And mm. so, but they had all these empty spots of schools. So that there was only a three-month contract. God, and you would have been going into this environment against the backdrop of, you know, the, the reputation would have been shredded for foreigners in that area. Because it, yeah. it happened to where, where I ended up. You know, teachers had done things like that and things had gone wrong. One guy did drugs, I think, ended up in prison. You know, when, it, when a, a, a teacher in Japan does something wrong, an English teacher from overseas... It does the rounds and it can sour the reputation of everyone and it can really fuck everything right up. Yeah, I think it's important to note that sometimes we're looked at as like a a general unit. Like, I know it sounds crazy to say that, but like the foreign teacher block, if one Mm. person screws up, it really reflects on everyone. Absolutely. So if one person got in trouble and they fired, they let go of the contract of everybody on that. Oh, so only one person? Yeah, and I actually think what happened was the rumor is while they were teaching a lesson, they said, I want to show you a quick video of this thing. And instead of the video being educational, it accidentally loaded up some personal private pornographic video that they filmed to the elementary school students. But then why did they fire everyone? I think that the, the... my understanding of it was at this time the board of education said you know we don't want to work with your company uh, so, they, so the company lost the contract yeah and right. then they hired the my company came in and they said we, we'll have teachers sent out to you on a temporary three month contract and you don't have to renew it binders full of teachers binders full of teachers <laughs> box, it was a wild time a fresh box of teachers straight off the plane from America yep alright so you arrive in Narita airport Jet lagged and tired. Jet lagged and tired. I immediately take a bus to Ibaraki, which is about two or three hours away, to a place called Mito for training. Uh, I sleep, we wake up for training, and I get to the office, and it's an absolute disaster. There's binders on the floor, the pictures had fallen off the wall, a bookshelf had been toppled over, and we were sitting in these desks, and the guy who, bless him, was, he looked quite, you know, crazed (laughs) and disoriented. He was our trainer, and this was right after the earthquake, and their head office had not had a chance to fully uh, rebuild. Only two weeks, right? Two weeks. Yeah. And so he said, okay, here's what we're doing. Uh, you guys are going to be going out to Niigata, and uh, here's some rules. Um, and there's only one. He only gave us one real general rule, and it was um, don't, uh, <laughs> don't make sexual advances towards any of the students or teachers. That's always good advice to live by. I thought that was pretty clear just being a human being. And yet I've no, I know plenty of stories where that hasn't happened. It's incredibly <laughs> insane that people can't do that. But unfortunately, we didn't get any teaching experience or any kind of advice oh. on how to deal with Japanese teachers or oh, students. God. So it was an interesting trip. So I, I finished the training. So the training was essentially, don't fuck up. And he repeated that several times, that this three-month contract, if we want to renew it, we cannot screw this up. Right. So I, uh, they give me a car, which is nice because I used to drive. I used a pizza right, delivery right. man. And I say, okay, what's going on? And they gave me a map, which is nice. And then they put a washing machine in my back seat for my clothes. <laughs> and they said, just drive to Niigata. It's about eight hours west. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so, that sounds like a Top Gear challenge. It like, was let alone horrific. a new job. So a, a paper map. Yeah, because I didn't have a cell phone. This was 2011. Oh I my just God. moved here. 
um, even then, cell phones, like smartphones, were relatively new. Well, that's terrifying. Like on the jet program, you get flown in, you get like a handler who delivers you to the principal and the teachers of your school. It's all very luxurious experience you're in the in a car alone driving through the japan countryside with a washing machine on your back yeah and the drive is supposed to be about seven hours i think it took me 13 13 hours i got i got lost at several rest areas saying you know i don't speak japanese so i was like niigata wowu doku desu ka and they zinzin wakanai and um the good news is I finally made it a little after like midnight or something ridiculous. Right. And we were supposed to meet I had another map that said from McDonald's you drive to this apartment and on the basement of the apartment there's a man waiting for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's so, so like a fetch quest. <laughs> it was my RPG starter quest. And um I get to the apartment and everyone's you know they're like oh you made it we didn't we we had pizza and stuff but we didn't know if you were coming so we there's nothing left and I, Brilliant. Okay. And he said, let's start the meeting, even though it's quite late, let's review it. And they had this big map, I, you know, like this huge, over an entire dinner table size map. Of, of, of Niigata. Of, of Joetsu, the city I was staying in. Right. And they unfurl it, and there's like a swinging lamp above it where you can barely <laughs> make it out. And, you know, we're all, I felt like we were all smoking and looking over these targets. It was like a war room. It's what it felt like. <laughs> And there was X's all over the map in different colors for each teacher that says, like, here are your schools. And so right. we could easily see, like, this is where we're living. Here's our schools. And mine was some, you know, shit brown color. And I, I, was, I was looking for it everywhere. I can't find it. There's, I was like, I think there's been – my fear is, my God, what if I don't have any schools? Right. And I've driven to the wrong destination. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're searching. And then uh, we unfurl the map another three feet. <laughs> oh was, my god and my seven no actually nine schools were up in the the mountains of japan wow 45 minutes by drive from the apartment oh my god and this is a really unique opportunity to give it some context i taught at an elementary school that had 31 students total so one first grader four second graders and so on how does that work in well, a classroom it it was very challenging because you know the fifth grade class was just five girls and like the teacher so you it was interesting or like the second grade class there was like you know four children and then they also brought in the first grader because he was the only one so they kind of did it together it was unlike anything i've ever experienced and this was a very heavy agriculture area right yeah so i'm very rural extremely yeah and we didn't teach any english lessons i found out very quickly it was more about (laughs) planting rice um you know learning about different farming equipment did you when you were standing in a field planting rice we thought like, have I made the right decision here uh, there was actually an interesting story about that they, they told me today we're going to be planting rice for the sports festival so we harvest it in seven months I said oh that sounds quite nice and they said well you are planting rice and I was wearing my suit and the principal <laughs> said like oh, it's okay he, he you know you're going to be knee deep in water when you're planting oh these. my god he's like I have some shorts for you <laughs> He gave me some Umbro soccer shorts from 1971 that did not fit my fat ass at all. And it was like the tightest tube skirt. And I, I had to sit there and squat over the rice field under back-breaking conditions for four hours. I have an interesting picture I can show you that um, there's beautiful fields of, of perfectly placed rice patties. And then there's mine. It's like a bomb went off. It's just a disaster area. Good God. So, yeah, that was a very unusual experience for three months. And <laughs> the, that was five elementary schools and four junior highs that I, I, I rotated. Jesus. Over a three-month period. Yeah. So each week I would go to all of the schools and try – like Monday I'd go to these two schools. On Tuesday I'd go to these two. And, you know, you're learning a lot about Japanese lunches. They, 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 you have to eat with the kids. You know, these are all part of the expectations. Did you have any trouble communicating with the students? I had an immense amount of trouble communicating with mm. the students. But, you know, you know, children in elementary school and junior high are quite eager, especially to meet a foreigner who, yeah, you know, yeah. Joetsu is very rare to see, you know, on a face-to-face basis. So in that regard, I think it was the best experience you could possibly ask for to be a teacher in this country. My advice from this real weird story, don't try to get a job teaching, I think, in Tokyo or Osaka or these mm. big cities. I've always tried to say that as well. It's a good rule, right? Absolutely. Experience Japan for what it is before you try to say like, well, I want to go because I'm really interested in anime or video games or manga. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Like, I, Where I was for three years was 
about what 150 miles north of where you ended up and yep. it was extremely rural but i love it i loved every moment of it and uh it's a beautiful place and most people living in major cities like tokyo or osaka or nagoya they don't get to appreciate that they don't get to wake up on like a a beautiful sunny day drive through some rice fields look at a volcano and there's something magical about it and uh Living in Sendai, it's great, but I miss that. I do miss that a lot. Yeah, me that too. Was, was this only three months then, this job? Yeah, so that was a three-month job, and then we kind of went our separate ways. Everyone oh. kind of, because we couldn't get the recontraction. Yeah. It went to Jets, actually. So they brought in a damn. whole bunch. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> they, they got Jets to come in and replace all of the schools, and I was kind of out of money and out of time, but I had met a guy who said, you know, I think that you are a really great teacher. He was wrong. And he said, I want to open an English school inside of a mall inside Joetsu. Right. Like a, it's called the Ito Yokaro, like a big department store. Okay. And what, for some context, Joetsu is probably the second biggest city in Niigata. I think maybe? Niigata City is number one. And then Joetsu. Joetsu. I'm not a fan of Joetsu, because every time I drive <laughs> through it, there's absolutely nothing there. We went through it on Journey Across Japan uh, for the Joey segment early on, and my resounding memory of that area is just nothingness and desperation at trying to find ideas to make it interesting. That sounds a lot like my life, um, <laughs> so I, it was a good fit for me. You know, the cool thing about Joetsu is this. It's where I lived. I was 10 minutes by bicycle to the Sea of Japan, like literally the That's beach. That's cool. And I was 40 minutes by train to some of the best snowboarding mountains in Japan. Well, it's got that going for it then, the, the nature side of, of, of things. Right? The, the downside to Joetsu is that it is extraordinarily rural. And the, yeah. the temperature on the winter, it gets the, it gets the most snowfall on record in Japan. Yeah, I, I, I've driven through Niigata in the snow. It's formidable. It's really unpleasant. You can't, my first time somebody told me like, oh, be careful. Every couple of hours, please open your door during the snowstorm. And I said, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and it was about four feet of snow and I could not get out of my apartment. Oh my God. I had to go through the window. And oh my God. It was absolute madness in one night. Jesus. So yeah, it was a great experience, but I transitioned out of teaching at an actual school that's recognized by you know the Board of Education into what's called an Eikaiwa. English conversation class. Or- yeah, it's private lessons. And this one was created from the ground up by an insane man <laughs> who put all of his chips in on me. Oh God. Uh, a terrible idea. And How did th- you meet this guy? He was, remember when I told you about the swinging lamp and we're looking yeah, at the yeah. exits? He was their contact in Joetsu to help explain to these new foreigners, here's your job, here's what, it, it was just like a, a free agent that they hired briefly to explain. He spoke English. He did. He so was some quite, like an interpreter chap. Yeah, I think he was. He lived in Los Angeles for quite some time. Oh, right. Yeah. So he thought, this is a great way to make some money. We're going to do this thing. And You must have been like, oh, this is great. Well, yeah, because he going, offered I'm... a significant pay increase. Fantastic. I also uh, want to point out one thing. I'm, I'm remiss to mention this. When I did get hired at this company, I did work on a tourist visa for about 11 weeks of my 13-week contract. Oh, God. This is illegal. Yeah. This is definitely illegal. And I understand because of the situation with the earthquake, there was some backup at the immigration offices. Mm. But I, I want to remind everyone that sometimes you have to be really diligent about how to get people to get your, get, make sure your visa is clear, get those things updated, because it can be kind of vague in Japan sometimes. Mm, mm. People are like, just sign a contract and work. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, they're called black companies. Aren't black they? companies, Where, like, right. Yeah, organizations will screw you over basically or promise lots of things under deliver and exploit you and that is exactly what it sounds like you went through with this experience yeah but I mean it was fine though but then uh, but this guy we started in Ikaiwa where I was in the an open face there's no doors it's just in the mall and I'm I have a loud voice so I'm sitting there screaming English at, at adults is there a was it a store in the mall? Yeah, it was. It was like the, it was like, but it didn't have any doors. And I remember, oh, God. He, I, I said, you know, I'll do this, but I don't want to write the curriculum. I'm not qualified. And he said, that's okay. My brother's going to write it. Right. So his brother wrote a bunch of A B dialogues, like, but his brother, I think, might have been um, <laughs> quite insane, because we would have dialogues like going to the grocery store, and I'd be person A, and I'd say like, excuse me. Where are the grapes? And the person B would be like, here is a shoe. (laughs) I'd say, oh, thank you, but I'm looking for a pizza. Standard conversation. Have you been to the market? And I'm like, what? And so we couldn't quite parse what he was trying to say. It just seemed like scribblings of a madman. So we, we had to cut his material. I had to make it up on 
myself, and that can be very stressful. Mm, so be mm. ready to make your own materials. Don't expect everything to be handed to you in some of these jobs. Um, I stayed there for about eight months as it slowly became clear this was a black company. What, I mean, at what point did you realize, uh-oh, I've made a massive mistake here? About three months into my contract on my birthday, he, my boss, who was the sole proprietor, he came to uh, my birthday party, and he, his entire arm was in a bandage, bloody. Oh, up, my God. And he had been in a, a physical altercation with his family and punched out a window. And then later on in that evening, he confessed, while quite drunk, you know, we've been getting all these money up front from customers to pay for lesson. He was like, well, I gambled it all away. <laughs> oh, no. So he spent it all in a local pachinko parlor. So now we have no money to pay my salary or my health insurance and things. And we don't have any money because he spent it all on gambling. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so this became clear that I need to make a change because I my visa is going to run out. And I don't think this man has the qualifications to renew it. Or the sanity, by the sound of things. Yeah. So that was in Ekaiwa. Really tough experience. But overall, I decided to... What were the people like you, you met? So the students with? were quite nice. Oh, good. In the countryside, their English level can range from, I'd say, very poor to average. You're not going to get a lot of fluent speakers. You might get some hobbyists who are very interested in it. And what were the working hours like? Uh, the working hours at the original job, the, the three-month contract at the schools, was your standard be there at 8 for the morning meeting, and you can leave around 2.30, or sometimes oh. earlier during if it's an elementary school. Oh, that's pretty good. Roles included normally teaching English lessons, participating in lunchtime, and doing recess with the children, uh, playing kickball. Or mm. And what about the Ikaiwa? The Ikaiwa was a bit more uh, strict. It's kind of like show up at 11 and finish around 8 or 9. So oh. you, you go there when the mall opened, and you'd, you'd stay until the mall <laughs> You closed. go there when the mall opened. Yeah, an oh, interesting God. thing. I didn't know this. I was by myself the first two months at this mall, and just me, and I, <laughs> we had so no customers. Weird. But uh, the in Japan, when the mall opens, everybody who owns a shop stands outside of it and says, welcome in Japanese, yes, yes, yeah. to any passing customers for about 10 minutes. I didn't quite catch the word, so I was saying, which means you're not welcome at this <laughs> And uh, he would call me and say, do, do we get any new people coming? I go, some of them were kind of interested, but they just walked away. I don't understand. They just, maybe I'm scaring them. Um, yeah, I tanked oh, our, our potential. So, And then you, how the hell did you get out of there? This must have been so surreal. Just, there must have been a moment standing in a mall in Joetsu with people looking angry at you as you say, Irashimasen. It must be a point where you think, what have I done? Why have I come to Japan? How have I ended up here? Is this going to get better? Yeah, there was a lot. A lot of people would have been like, it's time to go back to Kansas now. Well, <laughs> as bad as it was, you know, Japan is a very interesting place. And I felt like every day I was here, I was experiencing something new or dire or interesting or fantastic. So I wanted to stay, but I felt like Joetsu had run its course. Right. I wanted to go to Tokyo now. I wanted to try or Yokohama or a big city. And I wanted to see what that was like before yeah. I said it's over I'm going home so at this point it's about 2012 yeah it's 2012 I, I've just arrived in Japan and I'm trying to get as far kilometers, away from you 200 as kilometers north in a field I'm there 200 kilometers south you're in a mall trying <laughs> to get people in for a Nikaiwa yeah and we didn't have a lot of success but I decided to make a change I took a bus from Niigata to because I couldn't afford any trains and there was no Shinkansen at this time no there wasn't they yeah. were building it and I took a bus that took about 18 hours to, it was very cheap, like 30, 30 bucks. I made it to a friend's house and I had an application set in for another Eikaiwa called, well, it was an acting, acting through drama. Right. That's what it was. So Sounds the, good. It was. And I like acting. The, the, the premise was very interesting. It was instead of doing like grammar and vocabulary, it was let's put on plays and productions while using English. Mm -hmm. I thought that's, that's amazing. The pay was good. There was a, a nice little bonus system. There was a lot of opportunity for advancement. What could possibly go wrong? There's no way <laughs> this can go tits up. There's just no way. So I go to the guy who's a nice bloke from England, and he goes to this field, and I, I, I'm at the end of my rope, and I say, listen, I just have to know today, can I get this job? Mm, mm. He looked me square in the eyes, extended his hand, and said, welcome home. <laughs> I mean, that sounds beautiful, but also a bit worrying. This is the worst job I've ever had. 
It was the absolute. I, this is the <laughs> one that sent Welcome me. Welcome home. I I gained about two stones. I don't know what that. I, I gained eight kilos. Oh I, god. I lost an inch on my hairline. I. It was absolutely dreadful how stressful this job was. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. This week, there's been loads going on across Stack. Over on the Luke and Pete show, I'm telling Luke about why my hairstyle has been bothering children. And she says, why have you got your hair like that? Yeah. Why have you got your uh, hair in a ponytail? We've been told that we're not to talk to men who have ponytails. <laughs> Good parents. And the, yeah, but that wasn't the parents. They didn't say that. Right. She'd just been told at school or something never to trust a man with a ponytail. <laughs> Meanwhile, the book club is back with a cracker on Football Ramble Presents. Kit and Jim were joined by Simon Cooper to talk about his new book, Delving into the Heart of Barcelona Football Club and what its legends were really like. Johan Cruyff, in, in my humble opinion, he's the kind of Freud or Marx or Einstein of football. He invented modern football, but he was also a lunatic. Cruyff was a guy who walks into a room and says, you're doing it all wrong, you should do, it. You should do what I say. Listen to the Luke and Pete Show and Football Ramble Presents every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Why did he say welcome home? I think that, you know, now looking back, this, this job employed maybe about 100 people. And it was constantly cycling in and out because people couldn't hack it. It was so much stress and it was so difficult that he tried very hard to, to, to honey it and make it sound like this is going to be a great opportunity for you. And he did. I felt like this was it. And they helped me get accommodations. They helped me set everything up. And then the hell began. And it was, it was truly horrific. How can it get much worse than standing in a mall? So doing what you did before. This one is challenging because this had classes from ages zero, literally zero. I one time taught a woman who was still pregnant, and I had to teach her stomach, uh, English words. What? Yes, and so... Wait, wait what? I, she came in, like seven months pregnant, and <laughs> I, I said to my boss, I said, who, who do I teach to the mother? Does she want to learn like some vocabulary to, when the baby's born? And they're like, no, she wants you to just to talk to her stomach. So I was sitting there giving instruction, and I remember very specifically, she held her tummy, and she said, I think he's getting it. And I thought, oh, "Oh, dear God. It's time to get back to Kansas again. (laughs) They wouldn't have me back. But that was tough because you had classes from zero all the way until 80s. You know, But most of them were children. And the big challenge of this was some of the classes, this is the first time children have ever been separated from their parents. Yeah. And a private setting before right so you can imagine it's pure chaos crying pandemonium puking shitting it's just everybody's doing everything and then another you get elementary school students i remember one time my first lesson this kid came in and we we have five minutes of (laughs) playtime yeah we're playing blocks and i say i'm gonna be right back i have to go get a, a wet tissue to clean up this thing i come back and he's standing in the corner shirt off swinging it like a lasso oh my god and i said please put your clothes back on and jesus christ. for 30 minutes it was unable to get this sixth grader or whatever his age was 
to put his shirt back on. Bloody hell. So that was the hours were intense, um, things of that nature. It was very hard. So what made it the worst job? There was one day in particular I knew that I had to get out. Other than the extreme hours, other than the, the forced overtime and the just unreasonable requests made of you from the boss. To talk to children. To talk to, to, well, talk, to, to, talk to babies, unborn babies, teach them English. Impossible. But the one that I remember the most where I... <laughs> giving English classes to a fetus. That is like a CV-worthy achievement, Pete. Yeah, well, I made it, but... <laughs> There was one class in particular. It was in a very wealthy area of Tokyo, Futako Tamagawa, very beautiful and regal um, station. Yes, yes. This gentleman came in. Usually, I, it was with his. It was father and and child. It was like oyako, they say, with child. Mm. And I usually taught them with the mother and the son. But mm. this time, the dad came in, and he did not seem too keen on being a part of the lesson. He was kind of like, right. uh, and I said, "Well, man, it's kind of you have to be a part." It's together. So I had my stuffed animal, which was like a little teddy bear that I, I had to demonstrate the lesson with. And we we played a very fun game called well, Wiggy Waggy. Are Wiggy you Waggy. With, Wiggy? No, I'm not familiar with Wiggy Waggy. I thought it would, you know, be across the seven seas at this point. Wiggy Waggy is a simple repeat after me game where you go like this. Wiggy Waggy, Wiggy Waggy, jelly in the bowl. It sounds like the sort of thing you get arrested for. Like <laughs> saying something like that out loud. I think that's how they lost that contract and he got that. It's Wiggy Waggy. Um, so I have my toy and you know you're supposed to lift up the, the baby's arms and make it dance with the wiggy waggy oh, and then make him you know jelly right and uh, I said alright repeat it to me wiggy waggy wiggy waggy jelly in the bowl yeah. and the guy very half heartedly kind of went you know wiggy waggy wiggy waggy jelly in the bowl right I said listen man we got 50 minutes <laughs> I need you to either be in this with me 100% or we just just sit here and talk about sports and he was like, you know what? All right, I'll give it a shot. And I said, all right. So this one, I, I said, we're going to level it up with a little more gestures. And I, you know, I took the little animal, wiggy waggy, wiggy waggy. And then on Jelly in the Bowl, I lifted the little stuffed animal above my head and shook it you right. know, like a little fun little woo. And he was like, okay, that looks fun. He got smirked. And he said, how uh, old was his kid? Must have been seven, eight months. Oh, okay. Maybe very young. Very quite young. young, yeah. And he said, uh, Wiggy waggy, wiggy waggy, jelly in the... And when he lifted the kid, I thought, this is the moment that it's going to be great. Well, the kid uh, shit on his face. It was, <laughs> it was horrible. No. Yeah, he full Whoa. liquid diarrhea. Oh, God. Right above his head. And I remember I needed to quit <laughs> when the man looked at me dead in the eye. And there was literal poop dripping from his nose. Oh, my thought, God. And the kid was having fun, but it's a good game. That, that guy, how did he not murder you? Well, I don't think it was actually my fault that, you know, the kid shit. But, I mean, looking at me, I don't blame him. But the issue was... Oh, God. Um, we both oh, knew no. this isn't worth it. The, the guy who ran the place, what was he like? Well, this is actually a... Welcome cl- home. The, he He's was, British, he said. He was. And he was a nice man, collected records, all that jazz. But the interesting thing was there was about 12 people at the, the home boot, the home base... Right. who kind of made this thing run because they had 30 plus schools around Tokyo and Yokohama and Chiba yeah. so they, he was in charge of you know relations with contracts and we had trainers and we had all these things did he find out about the wiggy waggy incident of course not I mean like <laughs> there are so many terrible things that have happened in these, in these halls where <sighs> you just it's just there's no place to complain to <laughs> um, unfortunately I lasted about a year and plus there so that's only two years in Japan. I've had three jobs. And you, you're working long hours again? This was the worst. At one right. point, I truthfully worked about 70 plus days straight. 70 days straight without was, a holiday? Without a day off? a day off. That it was, was insanity. How it, are you alive? It was really bad for my health. I'll, I'll be honest. Every night was like a gyudon beef bowl for dinner. And I remember when I got home to the station, it'd be this long walk back to my house thinking, how can I possibly do this again tomorrow. And this is not unique to me. I think what I'm trying to say is be very careful when accepting the jobs. I think for most mm. people listening, Akaiwas, I would be hesitant to recommend those experiences. Yeah, I don't know too many people that have had positive experiences doing Akaiwas. I do have a friend, Regan, who predates our friendship, but he <laughs> is an Australian chap that worked in Nagoya. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he generally spoke highly of his Ekaiwa job. He enjoyed it, I think. But the hours weren't too extreme. So it really is on a case-by-case basis. You don't know what you're going to get. 
Yeah. Who you're going to deal with, right? My advice would be definitely take an ALT job. They're much more supported in terms Assisted of... language teacher. Yeah, like mm. the ones where you are in a actual school because those opportunities allow you to learn on the fly and you have a bit more stability with like a help from actual teachers. Absolutely. The, then if you want to kind of test out the waters, at least you've been here a bit to try out an Akaiwa. So, how many? What year is this now? It is only year two. I've what? Almost, so it's like twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I've just met Natsuki. You just a, met Natsuki. You're in having a fun. street in Yamagata somewhere at the same time. You are starting to dabble in making YouTube videos. Meanwhile, you've got a kid pooping on his going father. to the toilet on his dad's head <laughs> in a kaiwa. <laughs> so at this point, I, I I got out and I applied for a very famous company called Interac. Interac, it's, yes. This is a placement company. They kind of like. Jets, but uh, paid less, paid slightly less, and not government run. But there are some benefits. Like you there often, are. you often get to choose where you're located. Yes, or there's some discussion there about like, no, I don't want to teach in this part. Can I'll sure. wait? And so, I they offered me a job at an elementary school, and I thought, absolutely not. I've I'd rather stay at this shit job where kids poop on each other. Right. Second one was I was like, they said, how about a junior high? And I said, that's better. I'll take it. But it was like. 50 minutes away from my apartment. Right. I thought, you know, that's too much. I'm, no. Then they called me again and said, well, how about a high school job? And I said, now that is the only place I had not taught yet. I've taught elementary, junior high. A fetus, no less. A fetus. And <laughs> from, from fetus to 12 years old. But I thought, this might be an interesting opportunity. So I said, I'll take it. How close is it? 10 <laughs> minutes from my door. Wow, that's lucky. It's quite lucky. At this, last, God, God has smiled favorably upon you this was the best job i've ever had hey. it was very good um the pay was quite low i want to remind everybody if you work for these placement companies here's what you're going to get into you get a set fee usually back then eight nine years ago you're talking about twenty five hundred dollars a month pre-tax right then on august you get 40 percent pay so your yeah. paycheck will be that's on interact that's on interact on usually jet, you get a full. normal a full salary, yeah. Then on uh, March and April, because the school year begins in April in Japan, you get prorated pay for March and April mm. because those are not a lot of classes. Right. Those can be even worse than August. And then you have December, which you get 60 to 70% pay because of the winter holidays. It's pretty tough to live off that salary, I imagine. It can be. Especially in, in Tokyo, where you were. Yeah, I was in Yokohama at this time. Oh, okay. And I'm not going to lie, there were times where, uh, I, one, famously, I had to eat eggs for almost 12 weeks. Oh my God. I had a sack like, of rice like and eggs. Like Gaston, well, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except he was really in great shape. I was slowly deteriorating. Um, but rice and eggs in convenience stores were all I had, and soups. And then one time I had to go to the local park and steal a roll of toilet paper because I couldn't afford it. And Bloody take hell. To eat. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, but it was like, it was just a, it was, you got to plan accordingly. And it, if you live in Tokyo or one of these big cities, it can be hard to manage your finances if you want to go out a lot with your friends and do karaoke and drinking or, mm. or even eating out a lot. It's pretty tough sometimes. Absolutely. Those months that you don't get paid well. Um, but this school was great because they allow, I think teaching high school for a lot of people would be the best alternative because the kids are a bit more mature. Yeah. You can talk to them about their opinions. I mean, I, I taught 16 to 18 and uh, you could have like an interesting conversation. I don't think I could have taught anyone under 16. <laughs> I mean, I struggled trying to trying to get in with the youth and understand their mindset. A sixteen to eighteen year old Japanese teenager. Below that, I would have struggled. It's tough. I wouldn't have been able to do wiggy waggy wiggy fucking like no no or no. I wouldn't be able to do that. So it's. I'd it, say senior high school is the best age to teach. I agree, without a doubt. Um, unless you can get a college position in case you have a master's well, yeah. or something like that. So. I taught at this school for about four or five years. Wow. The, I, I ended up uh, progressing and interact to become their head teacher, which was kind of a training role for other. I led the monthly meetings. Um, I did get awarded like, you know, a motivational teacher of the year. So I, I, wow. I want to make this kind of clear. You know, a lot of people in Japan really shit on others who teach. It's mm. kind of a big joke among the expats. Oh, well, if you can't do anything, you can be a teacher. This is 100% accurate. I, I get it. A lot of people come here because teaching allows them to get a visa, which I don't disagree with. And they just want to say, like, I want to live in Japan and I kind of do teaching for fun. Mm. It's just whatever. I, after a few years, I took it quite seriously. I actually got into making my own lessons and I was really fascinated by it. So 
there is an opportunity to be proud of your work if you're interested in it as a career. Right. And I, but you know what? I don't disparage you if you're like, no, nah, I'm just here because it's basically a two-year holiday. Yeah, I mean, my stance was I saw teaching as a way into Japan. But certainly, I took the job seriously. Mm. I did just rock up and try to not do a good job. I did my best to try and educate kids or make learning English fun, right? And yeah, and I think that's an important part of enjoying the job and staying here longer. Exactly. So after four years, you left that job. I did. And so on this time, there was a direct hire position. These are extraordinarily elusive. This means that we've cut out Interact completely, and the school has directly hired you as an employee, much like they would an actual teacher. The benefits are more pay. More pay, health insurance, pension. Uh, even some schools allow you to get a bonus. And the downsides? Incredibly horrific working hours and expectations. Right. And that's where you are now. That's where I've been the last five years. And to be fair, this school, I think, has done a lot of good for me. It allowed me financially to finally pursue other projects I couldn't do before. Mm. Um, that being said, you have to do things like stay for club activities. If the boss says, tonight we're going out drinking, you cannot decline. You, <laughs> you kind of are forced to culturally to go right, there. Right. Uh, the other teachers see you as a actual member of the staff, not as a unique little token or trinket that is like, look, our I foreigner. I was a trinket. <laughs> you were a trinket. You were, and that's okay for those jobs, but this one, you know, you got to go to all the meetings. You don't get a get out of jail free pass. Zero percent. Right. In if you want to take off a holiday, you have to go to really through the chain of command and they, they've declined me several times saying yeah. well you know this really comes at a busy time can you reschedule it you have to put your job very much before your personal life yeah and at this one you know a lot of schools that are private or direct hired do have schools on Saturday so you have to kind of adjust your expectations to being there possibly six days a week and you hope so You how do you look at this job overall favorably or unfavorably this, I think, was a tale of really two things. Um, at first, this changed my life for the better. I was able to get out of that kind of, you know, paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. Yeah. And making that kind of money and being entrusted with the responsibility. I was a homeroom teacher, so I saw the same kids every morning and taught them. Giving more responsibility to me, I thought, was a great and terrible mistake on their behalf. But for me, <laughs> it was a wonderful experience to really try to master this profession. And I, I think I did pretty well, but the problem was, as I started to go on trips with you or talk to you more, I have this desire to do something greater with my free time, and this job does not currently allow me to do that. And so for the first time while you were teaching, you started doing Twitch, right, and streaming video games and getting back to your sort of acting and performing career. Correct. Even though I'd been doing Cool Japan off and on for eight years, that's a one-off Saturday afternoon or something sure. like that. Uh, during the coronavirus, of course, you know, Ian from, you, t you took him on the journey across Japan. Yeah, my, the producer of Journey Across Japan, Ian. He, he and I started a podcast during those corona days because we had mm. nothing to do, right? Mm. And we were doing a basketball podcast. And at the end of that, I said, well, I want to do like a Twitch part of it. Like sure. a final show. I want to, I did that and immediately was like, this is what I want to do. Right. So I started putting in an insane amount of hours individually after the podcast had finished that season of doing like every night I wanted to stream. And eventually, I, I don't know what quite changed. I think it might have been being in your video that allowed people to find the channel. That allowed me to finally realize, you know, there's actually some potential to do this full time. Yeah, so it seems you started Twitch as a hobby. Uh, in the same yeah. way I started YouTube as a hobby. Uh, while I was working as a teacher and hopefully this will now be one day your main thing. Well, to put a little button on it, I've decided to retire from the prestigious uh, job of teaching this year. There's my 10 years in the game. I feel like I've experienced almost everything you can as a teacher. I've done solo lessons, group lessons, all ages. It was an amazing run and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to teach in this country. But uh, I think it's not for me anymore. <laughs> I think the problem is, even after three years, I, was, I felt like I'd learned a lot about the job and done as much as I could. And I felt, you know, you, you teach kids, you get on with them, they're great, and then they leave the school and you never see them again. Yep. It's the problem with teaching. You spend all your time trying to help folks, then they disappear and you never see them again. So you can't imagine a scenario where you do this till you're 65? No. I, mean, I think I, I love teaching. 
uh, if it's teaching something that I'm good at, like YouTube maybe, or mm-hmm. hopefully filmmaking one day. I love teaching something I know and I'm experienced in, but teaching English, it, it wasn't really for me. Um, yeah. Really quick, I'm curious. Um, you did touch on it briefly. What were the pros of teaching for you? Like the, the great points. Uh, There's none! Uh, no wiggy waggies? Uh, 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 it was fun talking to the kids and trying. I mean, I tried to steer them in the direction of trying to do something exciting for their career. Because I used to speak to my students, my and and, and they'd be like, oh, "I want to work in an office," and mm. I'd be like, "Come on, you can have a dream, have something exciting to guide you." And a few students, I do think I was able to make an impact on, and they did sort of thank me later on. That I nudged them in a certain direction, but what were the cons? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I look back on the on the period favorably, but on my last year, I was very restless and wanting to do something else. It yeah, was, it was very much a stopgap until I had a I, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And it sounds like you're on the track. So I, I know a lot of people that uh, teach and love it and enjoy it, and if they want to keep doing that, that's great. But I also know people that teach because they too scared to switch careers and do something they're truly passionate about because it's hard to do something in Japan and make that transition. Um, and I'll always try and encourage them to do what they want to do actually, so they don't regret it later on down the line. Well, it's actually interesting you mentioned that. Um, you basically have been very supportive in my endeavor to try this whole Twitch thing. And it hadn't been for you kind of saying like, mate, really re-examine what you're doing at this job. So that was, allows me to say briefly about the pros. It's, it's great to get into the country. It gets you a visa. It gets you an opportunity to experience it. It's a really good introduction to Japanese culture True. and working conditions. Absolutely, You'll meet some amazing teachers and you'll have some amazing relationships through that. And finally, I think for me, the greatest thing I got from teaching, like you said, was having an opportunity to teach really cool kids as they grow up as young adults and mm. hopefully go on to do some sort of thing that they're excited about that you may have helped in any small capacity, it was mm. very rewarding. Absolutely. So those are the pros. The cons are, you know, you're not going to have a lot of free time. So the, key, the key word is inflexibility. Yes. Even when I had my job, I couldn't take a day off easily. It was had to go through like four layers of people, and then they would often say no. And, uh, and yeah. To, to be fair, if you were working as a, you know, an office job in Kansas, it's going to be tough to get some of those free time as well. So... If you want to test out Japan, if you are interested, there's no shame in being a teacher. It's certainly not, um, you know, giving it a year. But my recommendation would be try an actual school first before jumping into an Akaiwa because those things will make you want to kill someone. <laughs> so, so there you go. Fantastic. Well, hopefully uh, you'll be able to do Twitch full time soon. Premier Two. Uh, it's taking off nicely. You get, you get quite a lot. You've got how, how many people follow now? Oh, 20,000. Jesus Christ. That was... started in like... Last October. Last October. But really this year, you've really gone all out. And this is the year. Yeah. It's, you've gone from zero to... 20,000. 20, in like a matter of months, which I think is incredible and uh, a good sign of things to come when you do actually quit your job. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you even having me on here to talk about um, that poor man who is never going to go to an English lesson ever again because <laughs> his child shit on him. Oh, dear. <laughs> but hopefully for you guys listening, it's given you something to think about teaching. I think, as you can tell from Pete and I, um, there's lots of ups and downs. Certainly for Pete, there's been a lot more downs in the long run. But three, three bad jobs, two good ones. Yep, not bad. That's not too bad. Uh, and I would even count the first three months as a good job. It was just rural... Yeah, that's yeah. True. So it was just a unique experience where I was planting rice and and feeding chickens, living the dream, riding Final unicycles. Account. It was a wild riding experience. Riding unicycles. Yeah, they didn't have kickball or baseball when recess started in the the deep country. They they pulled open this giant door, <laughs> and kids would come out on giant eight foot stilts and oh unicycles and pogo sticks. It's like eighteen hundreds. It was a nineteenth century circus. amusement. I thought this was a, a terrible horror show. But it was, it was a great experience of the first three months. So it was only just the Akaiwa jobs that really wrecked me. Mm, mm. So yeah, careful. Caveat imptor. Absolutely. Um, we have run out of time this week for questions, guys. Uh, hopefully Pete's going to be back next week. We uh, shall see. We'll see how this one goes. But for now, guys, as always, many thanks for tuning into the Abroad in Japan podcast. I hope that's given you something to think about. If you have any questions about teaching or life in Japan, as always, send them to Abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back in the next few days 
to do it all over again right here on the Abroad in Japan podcast. Bye for now. And thank you, Pete, for coming. Thank you, Chris. Bye. <laughs>